mean, that ball got out of here in a hurry. Just a bit outside. Do anything travels that far out of have a damn stewardess on it, don't you think? It's time for Powell at the Park. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. Cubs, Sox, all your Chicago baseball news. Dynamite drop-in money. Here's your host, Kevin Powell. Welcome in, friends. Episode number 17 of the Powell at the Park podcast. I'm Kevin Powell, recording this from the beautiful new WGN Studios at 303 East Wacker. Very excited about this week's episode. I appreciate you tuning in. Follow me on Twitter at KPowell720 if you haven't already. And subscribe to this podcast. iTunes, Google Play, WGNRadio.com. Subscribe, review, and rate. On this week's episode, I think the last time I had both these guests on, they were actually on a, on the same episode as well. Tony Andraki, who's been on multiple times. He's from NBC Sports Chicago. He's my boy. He's a fellow Illinois State Redbird. Uh, I love talking Cubs with Tony. And Tony sort of Tony loves coming on, so I almost feel bad not asking him. I ran, him to, ran into him the other night at, at Wrigley, and he was like, hey, so how's the podcast going? I'm like, it's great, man. He's like, all right, cool. I'm like, so you want to come on? He's like, yeah, you know, I mean, if you if you need a guy, so come on. I'm like, all right, Tony, you're in this week. Tag, you're in, brother. So Tony Andraki uh, from NBC Sports Chicago would talk all things Cubs. Lots to talk about with the trade deadline looming for the Cubs. And then it's one of those weeks, Bears training camp underway. I just, you know, I'm feeling that football itch. I know a lot of you are. I'm ready to, ready to see some contact, ready to see the pigskin get thrown around, heading down to Bourbon A this week. See the boys up close. Uh, figured it was a good time to have Gas Money Bob on. The one and only Gas Money Bob. He is a Bears fan legend. Loves the Bears. Every night before he goes to bed, I'm pretty sure he watched Super Bowl twenty. And uh, anyways, we'll get his thoughts, his projections on the Bears for the upcoming season. It'll be official Gas Money Bob training camp, Bears preseason preview, whatever the hell you want to call it. Gas Money Bob's coming on. But as always, we'll start the show with the rundown. All right, on this week's rundown, I got a I got a handful of things I want to touch on, and we'll see kind of where I go with this whole thing. We kind of bounce all over the place, but I do want to start with this story, and I'm sort of done with this story because it ended when we found out the truth the next morning. What I've learned, the more I, I, I get an opportunity to talk into a microphone and give my thoughts and opinions on something, I get this itch now. It's like an addiction, and I've heard radio hosts and people who work in radio talk about this before, that... You just get this urge to get your thoughts and opinions out via microphone, whether it's over the air and for me now, I guess, a podcast. But I wanted to talk about this, and I really haven't had a chance. The guy at Wrigley who basically got crushed on social media because he apparently allegedly stole some ball that was tossed into the stands by Will Venable, Cubs first base coach, and everybody just went nuts on this dude. I mean, everybody's calling him a jerk. He's enemy number one. Everybody hates this guy. Nobody wants to see that in the stands, right? The jerk who who grabs the ball out of the kid's hands. This was this was clearly a different circumstance. The cap man, David Kaplan, doing some investigative journalism. He's the one who gave you know who delivered the truth to all of us. The next day, he's like, "Yeah, the guy sitting next to them told me the whole story." This guy had gotten like four balls already. That kid who was sitting in the front row probably should have caught that ball anyways. He had his glove with him and everything. Come on, kid. Keep your head on a swivel. Anyways, kid misses the ball. Guy gets the ball. He gives it to somebody else. Everybody goes nuts on Twitter. And then we find out this guy had already, that kid had already gotten one ball. 
He ended up getting a Javi Baez signed ball because everybody was freaking out the little kid didn't get a ball. This guy was this guy was Mr. Good Guy. And because of social media, everybody's uh, everybody's a part of the official moral authority gang when they've got their phones and they're staring into the screen and they've got Twitter and they've got Instagram and Facebook to lash out. Everybody's perfect. Everybody's rushed, rushing to judgment. This guy's a jerk. This guy's an ass. He stole the ball from the kid. And nobody knows the story. A 12-second clip that went viral on social media. And this guy's getting destroyed. Everybody just chill out. Ripping some dude for that. And people were going off on this guy. I felt bad for him. I did. You know, I'm not going to do the whole social media lecture thing. But it is like, all right, everybody slow down. And all the people killing this guy on Twitter are probably jerks themselves. So anyways, I felt bad for that guy. Everybody just chill out with the social media. Glad that I'm glad the truth came out with that story. But also, are you a bad guy if you leave a game after catching... Like if, you, if you catch a foul ball and leave without giving that ball away to a kid, are you a bad guy? Because that's the route it seems to be going. It seems like you're allowed to get a foul ball... Embrace it for just a few seconds before you find, like, all of a sudden get in a three-point stance and you're, like, looking around, head on a swivel, looking for a kid to give the ball to. Can a guy catch a foul ball and leave the game and not be considered a jerk for it? Or does it matter? Like, if you get the ball, the foul ball or the home run, and and you don't see any kids around, are you able to keep that ball at that moment? I, I just don't know what the foul ball like rules are now. Everybody's monitoring on social media. All right, let's find the jerk today. Who's going to steal a ball from some kid? It was overblown. Glad it's over with. My next, uh, some more dumb coming out of Wrigley, I guess. Yeah, next topic. Position players pitching. You know, sometimes I hear people or I see people put stuff on social media like, oh, the old guard is going to be mad about this, the old-time baseball people. And I'm like, are you just manufacturing some sort of argument or debate? I'm like, where are these people? Are these people actually exist, these old-time baseball people? Well, the old-time baseball guys aren't going to like this. I'm like, who? Who are these old-time baseball guys? (laughs) I don't see them anywhere. It's almost like people just say that because it it for some reason causes sort of a us versus them type mentality that social media and the sports world has. Because I saw people tweeting when Madden's Madden used what four position players over a week stretch: Caratini, Ian Happ, Rizzo, Listella. And I actually did see some people on Twitter upset about it. They thought Madden was making a mockery of the game, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know all the stupid arguments. I would say relax on that. That's what Joe Madden told fans. Just relax, folks. It's a game, one. Two, it actually made a ton of sense. Strategically, it made a ton of sense. The Cubs started their second half post-All-Star break schedule playing 12 games in 11 days. Their starters aren't getting deep into games right now in the bullpen's tax. So if you're getting blown out late in a game and it's clear that your bats are not alive, screw it. And by the way, Anthony Rizzo on the mound was hilarious. I was at the game, laughing. Rizzo had to step off a couple times. You, you could just tell he was like a kid in a candy shop. He was laughing and giggling. So anybody getting on Madden's case, I realize there are Madden haters out there. Madden using position players made a ton of sense. We had Steve Stone on the Rocan show uh, past week or so, and we asked him about it, and he said, look, he, Steve Stone loves it not just for the pure entertainment factor, but for the strategic factor. You're saving your bullpen. 
I think more teams should do this, to be honest. Just tell them not to throw their hardest. Don't blow out your arm. Just lob it up there. I love the move for Madden. Anybody that was pissed about it, relax. Okay, before I wrap up the rundown, I just wanted to throw some White Sox nuggets at you. Since July 8th, the White Sox, your Chicago White Sox, have the third lowest ERA among starting pitchers in all of baseball. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates at 247 lead the way. The Red Sox are at 273. Then it's the White Sox at 291. Houston Astros at 312. Lowest team ERA since July 8th, the White Sox, fourth overall in all of baseball. So some good things happening there. James Shields increasing his trade stock. Carlos Rodon, Lucas Giolito making some strides. Certain victories for the White Sox matter a little bit more this season. They do. If it's a win driven by Carlos Rodon and Yoan Moncada, it matters a little bit more. That's your future. So when Carlos Rodon goes out and pitches seven and two-thirds, gives up just two runs and strikes out eight batters, in a White Sox victory, and Yoel Moncada goes two for four with a homer and a walk like they did Tuesday night against the Angels. That matters a little bit more. I think you can get a little bit more excited about that victory than, than a game driven by guys that, that probably won't be here in just a year or so or aren't necessarily key pieces to a rebuild. Monday night, Lucas Giolito, six innings, five hits, just three runs, and five strikeouts. He had four walks as well. Solid outing. Yoan Moncada one for four with with a walk. Those guys matter. They factored into the victory. So wins like that are going to matter a lot more than James Shields and uh, Adam Engel driving a victory. Adam Engel, by the way, shouldn't be getting as many reps as he is. There's some good things happening there. Uh, It's good to see the pitchers pitching a little bit better. I think James Shields can get you a return if you package him with Joaquin Soria. I'll talk about this with Tony a little bit, but I floated the idea of shields to shields to the Cubs. I don't think it's going to happen. I'm just I just threw it out there as a conversation piece. So um, some good things happening there, and it's good to see wins driven by key pieces to this White Sox rebuild. Rebuild. Giolito, Moncada, Rodan. Those wins matter a little bit more. All right, that's this week's rundown. All right, my first guest on the podcast this week. Very excited to reintroduce Tony Andraki. You've heard him here before. Covers the Cubs for NBC Sports Chicago. Here's my conversation with him. Okay, Tony, uh, a whole handful of things to talk about right now with the uh, with the Cubs. Um, you had some stuff about Chris Bryant and that it you know maybe it is time to be a little bit concerned about his shoulder. He had a DL stint for the first time ever because of that shoulder injury, and then now this past week we've seen him miss a couple games with the with the same shoulder um, issues. So, how concerned should Cub fans be about Chris Bryant's shoulder? Uh, you know, I think actually pretty concerned. Um, I'm normally like. I always kind of pride myself on being a glass half full type of guy, especially, you know, looking at a big picture of a six plus month baseball season. And I mean, today for the first time, I was thinking that like, this actually is not a good sign for Chris Bryant. I mean, he missed his second straight game and it just happened on a, a swing again. I mean, on Monday night, you know, it was a swing against the Diamondbacks where he was trying to go the other way in a ball and something just kind of, I don't know, felt wrong or grabbed at him. I'm not sure the exact way to 
put it, but you know, that's not good given that like he already missed more than two weeks of action because of it. Then he had the all star break. Like he's done everything he could. They thought when he was coming off the DL he would be close to a hundred percent. And obviously that's not the case. And so it, even if he does return and doesn't need another DL stint this time, I mean it could happen again where any single time that he swings it could grab at him or affect him to the point where he's gonna need another couple of days out. And what happens if that happens in the NLCS or even the NLDS? That's that's a rough road to go down. Yeah, it's not a good, you know, this he's sort of been um I don't want to say non-existent, but it's not been the Chris Bryant we've become accustomed to over the past two years and this offense is still thriving and they're near the top in just about every statistical offensive category in the National League. I believe it was your employers, NBC Sports Chicago, who threw this out on social media and I think Kaplan had it on his Sports Talk live show. Who would you rather have a fully healthy Chris Bryant for the final couple months or a fully healthy you Darvish for the final couple months? Oh, Chris Bryant, hands down. And that's nothing against Darvish at all. But, I mean, even if Darvish is fully healthy, I think there are some mental concerns or mental hurdles that he has to, to pass through. Um, so, yeah, if you're giving me 100% physical health of any player, I'll take the 2016 MVP and everything that Bryant does over Darvish, who, you know, even best-case scenario in the postseason would pitch only once every three or four games anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting um... – you know, it's an interesting little topic here because, you know, initially I was like, well, if the the Cubs are going to need Darvish to get past Houston, Boston, or New York if they do get to the World Series. But, you know, it's easy to forget that Chris Bryant was the MVP just a couple years ago, so we can't dismiss the talent there. Um, okay, I mentioned Darvish. This is the quote from Joe Madden after Darvish threw a 15- or 16-pitch bullpen session the other day. Quote, it went well. There was no real horrible discomfort, so that was a positive. So I get the part where it went well, but no real horrible discomfort. I don't think Cub fans should rest easy hearing something like that when there's only about two months left in the season and Darvish is only able to throw 15 pitches in a bullpen side. Uh, your thoughts, I guess, on where Darvish is at? Do you even anticipate him returning this season? Because at this point, I don't, I don't know if they're going to get any Darvish the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean, and you hit the nail on the head too. Like, yes, it was only 16 pitches. Um, the weird thing about it to me is 16 pitches doesn't seem like anything that was planned. You know what I mean? Like, if they were going into a bullpen session or a sim game or anything else, it's hey, he's going to throw 30 pitches or 30 to 35 meaning he's going to go 30, and if he feels okay, then he goes another five more. People don't typically cut off bullpens at 16 pitches. You know, like, that's just a weird number to be there. And I'm not saying that he cut it off because he got, you know, was feeling hurt or anything else. Just maybe they thought, like, okay, that's enough. But 16 pitches is not much, even for a guy who has thrown as little as he has. Um, You know, and he's reported to feel good the day after, which is a good sign. But like you said, too, Madden's quote was, no real horrible discomfort. So that means there was some discomfort. So, that, you know, like it's if we get to the point where good news on Darvish is that he doesn't have real horrible discomfort, that's not good news. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, the Cubs cannot plan on, on expecting anything from Darvish in the second half or, you know, in the, in the postseason in general. And anything he does give them in 2018 has to be looked at as a bonus at this point. What do you make his fellow starters not being able to go deep into games? You know, I think it's this kind of double-edged sword of, 
the fact that they haven't been as effective as they need to be to go deep into games. But also, I think it's just the nature of baseball now. I mean, we see what the, the Tampa Bay Rays are doing this year, but what they've done in the past where, you know, anytime a player sees a starting pitcher, you know, three times through the order, it changes. And the, it, they start seeing hitting the guy better and that is always in the back of a mind of somebody like Joe Madden or his coaching staff or you know even this Cubs front office and they want guys to be successful and to go deep I mean they have some of the best the guys who are the best against the lineup third time through the order Quintana and Hendricks historically have been very good against guys even the third time through the order so but it's those guys also I mean there's a lot of pitch counts that they're racking up really high even John Lester on Wednesday was at over 100 pitches through six innings I think he was actually even at like 96 through five like that can't keep happening if the Cubs are going to go deep into games so as long as they want to keep going into games like they need to figure out how to be pitch efficient how to get weak contact early in the count and then of course you know limit the damage so that they're pitching into the sixth seventh eighth inning having only given up one or two runs instead of the three or four that they've basically been giving up more often than not you had a good write-up on the recently acquired jesse chavez the relief pitcher kind of a journeyman i saw him pitch tuesday night against the diamondbacks and he struck out the side and it was some eye-opening stuff i wasn't anticipating seeing that good of stuff from chavez and the way madden puts it is he's a swiss army knife they're going to kind of see where he can fit in maybe stretch him out even for a spot start here and there Um, but you had some good stuff on chavez what do you know what have you seen from him you know he's he credited the Cubs clubhouse for really accepting him and making him feel comfortable right away. And, you know, he was talking to Kelly Crow and I earlier before Wednesday's game about how he, on Mother's Day with the Rangers, he was sitting in the bullpen in Houston and he had like a five and a half ERA at the time and just decided that he needed to try something new just to get something going. And so he dropped his arm slot down just a little bit in the bullpen, ended up coming in later that game through three perfect innings, struck out four Astros, obviously the defending champs, and we know how good that lineup is. And then since then, he's at a 2.08 ERA, a 0.89 whip. I mean, he's just been a completely different pitcher since May 13th, and he credits it all to that little bit of arm slot where now his velocity has spiked, and he says it's a very easy velocity now compared to what it was before. Uh, he likes the, the tail X and the late movement because of it as well. So just one tiny little thing that he did suddenly turned this 34-year-old journeyman into like a dynamic reliever who, like you said, he's a Swiss Army knife. He could go multiple innings or he can go one. Or Madden's actually talking about possibly even using him as a closer until Brandon Morrow gets back too. So Chavez is this under-the-radar pickup that they have that's been awesome for them you know, in one week so far. Hmm. Pitcher uh, dropping their arm slot and reinventing themselves. Reminds me of James Shields. Tony, I uh, floated this idea out there a while ago, James Shields to the Cubs, and people went nuts about it. But it would make kind of some sense, James Shields to the Cubs, because none of these guys can go deep. Shields has gone like six innings in 15 of his last 17 starts. How about a Shields-Soria package to the Cubs for a prospect or two? What do you think of that? I love this segue, by the way, from uh, dropping arm slot to get to James Shields. Um, <laughs> I hear that. I've heard James Shields say it a million times this year. So when I hear dropping arm slot, I'm like, James Shields, James Shields, James Shields. It just pops, <laughs> just pops in my head. And then, of course, I immediately go back to that that idea. And I know some people have talked about Joaquin Soria making sense for the Cubs. What do you mean package both those guys? Yeah, you know, Soria definitely makes sense for the Cubs. I think pretty much any relief pitcher who has had some degree of sense this year or in the past 
makes sense for Cubs uh, for the Cubs at this point. They're, they just need another arm to the, in the bullpen, especially a guy with closing experience or even postseason experience. So Soria would be you know would fit all of those boxes. The James Shields thing is a bit tougher because the Cubs don't want to go over the luxury tax, particularly this year. And Shields is signed through next year, and I believe he has something like nineteen well, million just, still owed. Just a team option for next year, so nobody's gonna, no team okay. is gonna pick that up for sure. Okay, yeah. So, but even still, the money this year would be difficult because they don't have a ton of wiggle room under the cap right now, um, or the luxury tax rather. So they. It, it would be difficult. I think the White Sox would have to chip in some money, and if they do that, they'd want a better prospect in return. Obviously, the Cubs don't have a bunch of great prospects to give up. Um, so I, I'm not sure that Shield is a great option to go to the Cubs there, um, but everything you said still makes a lot of sense. I mean, he's pitched under Madden before and had a ton of success. He goes deep into games, and you know what you're going to get from him every five days. So it, it's definitely you know a possibility. I just think it might be a little tough to, to squeeze a trade out there. You know, by the time we post this podcast, the Cubs have, could already have made a trade. So I don't know if I want to go into tune the depth of what you think the Cubs should do. But are there any names you've seen from any of the various reporters or MLBTradeRumors.com? J.A. Happ's a starter. That's kind of been his name's been thrown out there as well. Um, anybody you think the Cubs should aggressively go at? Of course, Britain's off the mark and the Cubs were one of a few contenders for him. But uh, any relievers or pitchers you think uh, Cubs should target? You know, I don't think there's anybody specifically, um, you know, the different names. I haven't heard a lot about Kirby Yates in San Diego, uh, which I, strikes me as a bit curious. I know he still has about three years, three years and two months or so left of team control. But, you know, he's a 30-year-old reliever. He's really broken out this year, and he's currently their closer now that the Padres traded Brad Hand away. So, I mean, he's a guy that I think may get more steam or maybe the Padres just really don't want to deal him right now. Um, as well, so but there are you know other guys out there like uh, Sangwon O oh from the Toronto Blue Jays. It looks like he's going to the Rockies now, but not many people talked about him before. There's a lot of these under the radar type of relievers who the Cubs can go after, and that's what I think they need as much as anything. Now maybe they would go get a starter that's kind of on the cheap, but at the same time, there's not really much they can do. Like they any starter they get, they'd have to go to a six man rotation or find like a phantom DL stint for Tyler Chatwood. Otherwise, I don't know what the point of getting a starter would be. Um, but they're not afraid of going to six man rotation too. So either way, it's just all about pitching. And then I actually think that it wouldn't hurt if they got another backup catcher, a veteran guy. Because as much as they like Victor Caratini, uh, it, it just, you know, he's still like rookie level and he is very inexperienced in general at the big league level. So I, it would be nice if they could find somebody like Avila or somebody like who they thought Chris Jimenez was going to be a veteran that can you know, give Wilson Contreras a spell while also really helping like the pitching staff and working with them too. He's Tony Andraki. Read his stuff at NBC Sports Chicago. Follow him on Twitter at TonyAndraki23. He's a Cubs reporter, digital producer for NBC Sports Chicago. Tony, thanks a bunch, brother. I'll see you soon. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Tony Andraki. He's a great guy. Be sure to check his stuff out at NBCSportsChicago.com. All right. Up next, the one, the only, Gas Money Bob. Love talking to him. We'll talk a little baseball, but mostly Bears. Gas Money, how you doing, man? Doing great, KP. How you doing, man? Have you been? I've been doing. I'm great. Thank you for asking. Have you been following baseball at all, or you just been mentally preparing for the football season over the past couple months? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm 
you know, immersed in my football studies, but I do uh, pay attention to all Chicago sports, so uh, you could ask me anything. Well, what about the White Sox? They're in the middle of a rebuild. Could we, could you put a grade on their season so far? Um, well, I think the uh, the rebuild is going perfectly as planned. Um, Dylan Cease, as we speak right now, has retired nine out of nine batters he's faced. Uh, I believe he'll be uh, one of four aces on the staff in 2019-2020. Uh, uh, and Eloy continues to mash the baseball, and I expect him to be called up this week. I already picked him up on my fantasy team. So I would and, – and Madrigal, he might be the best player in the history of baseball. Guy is awesome, and he doesn't strike out. Guys, so all they need to do is – all they need to do is trade Soria – Shields get a huge return for those guys, and they're going to win five, six World Series. How quick? How soon do you think the White Sox will be contenders? A lot of people keep saying twenty twenty, maybe twenty twenty one. How soon will this rebuild uh, start delivering results? I mean, they could make a run if they brought these guys up now, but I think uh, they want to save uh, service time or whatever that garbage is. So next year, right? Okay. 20, 2019 White Sox book it. Gas Money says uh, that's the year for the Sox. Uh, what about the Cubs? You've been following the Cubs at all this year, Gas Money? Uh, yeah, I, I follow the Cubs. Um, I think they need to fire their trainer. Uh, you can't have uh, some of your best players being hurt. That's just not right. So uh, that guy is definitely uh, in jeopardy of losing his job, if, at least if I was in charge. And uh, I keep... Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what about Jim Hickey? I know you've had thoughts on Hickey, the pitching coach, uh, on social media. I've seen you uh, chime in on that. Yeah, Hickey is, Hickey is not a very good coach. I'm not sure exactly why they brought him in, what kind of history did he have in the first place. But uh, I know that he's working a lot with the position players to pitch, so that's a good thing. And uh, I know they're looking for a starter, but they could probably just rotate in position players and they could probably form a pretty solid fifth starter. Are you are you a fan of the position players pitching? Oh yeah, you got to do whatever it takes to win. I, but I would like to see that when the position players come in they're throwing a little too soft. I would like to like see them throw as hard as they can and maybe at the the, the batter. A little little, tri- little chin music while you get in there, set the tone. Yeah, I mean, because those guys are coming up there thinking these guys are chumps, so you gotta, you know, you gotta show them who's boss. And then next time they face them, maybe four or five, six years down the road, they'll remember. Right, right. Well, that makes that makes sense. Um, this isn't the reason I called. I called because I wanted to talk Chicago Bears football with Gas Money Bob. Uh, this is the time of year where there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of excitement. Um, how, how pumped are you? Have you been to Bourbon A? Have you seen the boys up close yet? Uh, for the 2018 season, can you remember being this excited for a Bears football season? Well, first, first off, I need to correct you. It's Bourbon A. My bad. And you need to start calling it Bourbon A or else you're not a true fan. Okay. Right. Uh, secondly, secondly, I haven't been able to get down there because I I don't have any gas money. So... If anybody wants to start a GoFundMe for me and get me a little bit of cash so I could drive down there, uh, that would be much appreciated. But I might go to the the practice up in uh, up in uh, Vernon Hills. The one up in the high school, Vernon Hills. That's yeah. right. Okay, are you, do you have any concerns about Roquan Smith, their top draft pick, being a holdout for this long? 
yeah, you know, I reached out to Roquan on Twitter. Um, as you guys know, I'm I'm pretty pretty successful negotiating uh, one day retirement contracts. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to him and said, uh, you know, like if you would like, I could uh, negotiate this deal for him and maybe uh, just a series of one day contracts throughout the season, just to get him in camp at least for a day or two. But I, I'm not too worried about it. The guy, the guy, you know. He's a stud. As soon as he gets in there, you know, he might have to work his way back into the rotation because Kwiatkowski is having such a great camp. But uh, I think he'll uh, he'll find his way in there and, and dominate. Right. Well, I know you've been pouring over hours and hours of film, uh, particularly on the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, most important position of all of sports gas money, as you know. And I think the last time I asked you, uh, how many combined MVPs will Trubisky have between regular season and Super Bowl? I guess for my next, my question is, let's separate that. Let's take a different angle on this. Will Trubisky have more regular season MVPs when he retires or Super Bowl MVPs when he retires? I, I think it'll be even. And he'll have the same amount because, I mean, he's going to win the Super Bowl. He should win the Super Bowl every season starting this year. The only thing in their way is, the referees, right? Well, that makes sense, and he's got he's all got all sorts of weapons this year. Trubisky's got uh, Anthony Miller, the draft pick, Allen Robinson, Gabriel, Trey Burton. Which one of uh, Trubisky's newest weapons gets you most excited? Um. Well, first of all, first of all, let me to get back on the Mitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're saying they're saying that he's been inconsistent in camp, and so now you got Bears fans panicking all over the place. How stupid would be would it be to put your best play on tape? He's just he's doing it on purpose, so he doesn't put good plays on tape, or wants teams to think that he's worse than he actually is. And then when the regular season starts, boom. Uh, as far as the wide receivers, I think Anthony Miller is going to be. Amazing! That dude is breaking ankles in camp. He's the hardest working guy, blue collar guy, perfect Chicago Bear. I think he's going to be a stud. Yeah, I kind of wanted to do a quick, like your Mel Kiper version scouting report on some of these draft picks. So you got Anthony Miller down. We talked about Roquan a little bit. How about James Daniels, the guard from Iowa? He, he he's got to get you excited. He seems like a mauler in the middle. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we talked about him last time. He's he's a road grader, you know. Eats glass. I mean, just a total badass. I I mean, this offensive line with Kyle Long back, with Daniels in there, it's it says it's going to be top one or two offensive lines in all football. The only one maybe better could be Dallas, but I don't know. That's questionable. You know, every training camp, a guy emerges as a fan favorite, kind of a scrappy guy. It's normally a white little receiver. Has anybody emerged yet for you? I know we're only about a week and a half in, but is there a guy that you're pulling for, maybe went undrafted, maybe scrappy, maybe gritty, a guy that gas money's going all in on? Uh, well, I had that guy, uh, and his name was Jeremy Hall, Yeah, but uh, they cut him. Well, he had a good run there. But he's a bear for life. He's a bear for life. Matt Nagy, the new coach, your thoughts on him so far? You've kind of heard him talking to the media a little bit. Uh, he takes over for John Fox. What do you think of Nagy so far? I, I love him. I think he's uh, he's taken over the city. Everybody loves him. I heard him on uh, 
on a sports radio show the other day, and they were gushing after they got off the phone with him. They're gushing over him. The only thing I don't like about him is the beard. We need to shave off the beard. Just leave the mustache. Mustache mustaches win in this city. Was it weird for you when Dicka grew a beard recently over the past couple of years? Uh, yeah, that was weird, and it was weird when he put on that Packer jersey. But you know, Dicka, he's he's untouchable. He you know he knows what he's doing, and I trust anything any decision that he makes. How often do you go back and watch the uh, Super Bowl twenty in its entirety? Is that like a daily vitamin for you? I, I've got the VHS. I recorded it on the day. Uh, I like to watch all the pregame, the commercials. Where's the beef? Uh, the, the the halftime show with the with the uh, college band was spectacular. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I could watch it over and over again, except for the uh, the early Walter Payton fumble and the the field goal that put them down early but after that we all know what happened so uh i don't know if i've gotten season projections for you in terms of uh we're talking record wise we're not going to go game by game here but uh you know they start in lambo they start in green bay gas money and uh i know you're probably pretty excited about that one you have thoughts on the season opener and maybe a, a, a win loss total for us on the season yeah i mean the season opener that's that's like opening up against a uh a college team, you might as well put the the one in the win column right now. Um, you know, especially this time of year when uh, when the Packers are trying to you know figure things out. You know, with their coaching staff, it takes them at least six, seven, eight you know games, seasons, even to get anything right. So uh, yeah, I predict the Bears win the first game. Um, you know, we're lucky this year, too, because we get to watch five preseason games instead of the usual four. So that's really exciting. Uh, you know, there's nothing better than watching kids on the bubble playing playing for their professional lives. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of football. It's almost better than, like, just watching the Super Bowl. Right. Um, so 5-0 and in the preseason. And then 16-0 uh, and in the regular season. And then three and zero in the postseason. Well, that, that yeah, that uh, that's kind of what I was anticipating with you. Um, you know, I think a lot of Bears fans are anticipating at least a at least a playoff berth, maybe. So um, it's good to hear that from Gas Money Bob. Nobody knows the Bears inside and out quite like you. Uh, you know, as we record this podcast, Gas Money, um, this is this would have been Walter. Well, this is Walter Payton's birthday. Do you have any uh, any thoughts or comments you'd like to say about sweetness? Yeah, just want to say RMP, RIP to uh, sweetness. Uh, best uh, football player, at least running back of all time. Uh, you know, the only the only thing that sucks for him is that he never got that touchdown in the Super Bowl. But uh, mm-hmm. I know it, I know it upset him, but I'm sure he was just happy to be a part of the greatest dynasty that was ever in sports. So. Right. I'm sure he went to his grave a happy man, at, at least football-wise. Greatest dynasty ever. No question about it. Uh, before I let you go, Gas Money, I know you have some thoughts on that kid who didn't get the ball, and then that one guy was crucified who didn't give him the ball, but the kid didn't catch the ball at Wrigley Field. You know the story I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. So your thoughts that, on uh, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, that kid, I mean, everybody's crying for the kid. The ball, the the coach threw the ball right in his lap. You have to catch the ball. 
why why should why should a man that brings his his girlfriend to the game have to give the ball to a little kid that can't even catch? Right. Just you know, next time you know this now, but then the Cubs ruined it because they gave him a signed baseball. So now this kid's just going to go through life just expecting people to hand stuff to him on a silver platter. When if he if they don't give him the ball, the next time he goes to a game, maybe he pays a little bit better attention. Maybe he catches the ball. You know, and then in, later on in life, he'll be a successful person. Right. All right. Always some wise words from Gas Money Bob. Anything Bears-related that I may have missed that I didn't ask you uh, as we kind of get training camp going here? Um, well, I mean, Bears-specific, no, but NFL-specific. Like, you're watching these this first week of training camp. It's kind of boring. I think the NFL needs to uh, bring back, like, two or even three-a-day practices, full pads, let these guys hit each other. The only way they're going to get better is if they smash their brains in. This isn't football anymore. We need more of that. And other than that, I think uh, we covered everything. Toughen them up a little bit. Let the guys scrap it out on the on the gridiron, right? Let them hit. Yeah, I mean, these guys, these guys get paid a lot of money. We pay their salaries. I want to see them out there hitting each other. All, all camp, get tough. Whoever hits harder usually wins the game. So be the ones that are going to hit the hardest. All right, he's Gas Money Bob. Follow him on Twitter, at Gas Money Bob. Can't thank you enough for jumping on the podcast. And maybe when uh, we're just about at week one ahead of the Bears-Packers, I'll have you on again. But always appreciate you jumping on Gas Money and sharing some thoughts with us. All right, thank you, KP. That's going to do it. Episode 17 in the books. Tony Andraki, thank you. NBC Sports Chicago, great. Appreciate him jumping on the podcast. And, of course, Gas Money Bob always delivers. I'm sure we'll check in with him again down the road. Please subscribe, review, and rate on iTunes and follow me on Twitter at kpowell720. I'm Kevin Powell. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.